Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability Educational Shorts. It's been a while since I've been actually able to do an educational short, or at least it feels like it's been a while. Last week ended up being an off week. Two reasons. Number one, I was kind of sick. Actually sick to the point where I went to the doctor today. That's kind of rare. Also, I'm trying to figure out new equipment. I like using my headset, but it really creates lots of breathing and editing and work I have to do. And when I started doing some of those speeches, I realized mm, it doesn't really sound great. So we're trying microphones and I have a couple and I have not figured out how to use them. I like to move around when I talk far too often. And when I do, my voice goes away. So Nick and I actually did record a show and it's unusable. So I appreciate everybody's patience. I probably should have put something out there that said what was going on, but I didn't and I apologize. Mainly because I did a lot of sleeping too, but hopefully we can get ourselves back on track. I think this is going to be the microphone I use. Hopefully it sounds good and we can just move forward. I have several speeches I have to do, so I need to make sure people can hear me. Anyways, this week on this week's educational short, I actually have something to talk about. We had a listener get a hold of me because they're doing exactly like we asked in the past. If you want sustainable movement in your town or city or township, you have to attend the meetings and kind of be that voice for sustainability. Right now, a lot of the voices are politically driven and they're kind of polarized. They're really just yelling out whatever they heard on television. So having a sustainability voice in the room is a good thing. And that's what she did. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for the message and for letting me know that it's happening. She went to her township meeting and found that they're discussing slash arguing over solar farms. And in this area where we live, it's pretty rural. And you're seeing more and more wind turbines and solar farms going up on old farmland. Well, that is definitely getting the opinions of people going. And we're starting to see signs everywhere that say no solar, no solar, no wind, no wind. And they're really focused on getting rid of any of these clean sources. Now, at least in our area, the gentleman who is really pushing against these clean energy sources also owns a diesel company. So it's kind of like go team rolling coal. And not so much the legitimate reasons to look at solar farms. Because remember, if anybody knows me, I'm not a huge fan of solar farms. I think we have a lot of wasted space in our cities and towns where solar panels could go and not be seen. You can convert all that sunlight into energy, usable electricity, and not really see it. I don't know why we always have to have massive acreage of solar farms, but that is something that's happening. We're getting investment from outside of the state into the state to lease these lands from farmers and they're putting up solar farms. So that was the discussion that they were having in this township. They were arguing the merits either way, but some of the things that caught my ear was she was asking me if solar panels cause cancer and what it was. And what I've decided is there's a lot of people out there using words to scare people. They're taking advantage of ignorance in some way knowing that certain words will trigger you off in one way or another. So what I wanted to do was take a look at this and say, well, is there merit to having solar farms in certain areas? Let's look at the common objections that we hear. And then we'll go through each one of those objections and see, well, is it something we can work with or not? The first one is pretty simple. The very first thing people say is they're ugly. Well, that depends on the person. I think that's pretty pretty much objective. And I'm not sure 
preference should play into this. If you don't want to live near one, you won't move in near one. Other people like myself, I don't care. They talk They talk about how it reduces the property value. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, I just want to name off what the things are that people are talking about. They talk about the loss of farmland and how we're going to feed people if we're reducing the amount of farmland available. I've heard that it leaks chemicals into the ground or it's bad for the environment. Or what Amanda was asking about was radiation, radiating from the panels and causing cancer. I've heard that it leads to that Green New Deal and that these kinds of energy sources are, these are not going to be reliable services. That if you go to these clean sources, you're going to end up with rolling blackouts and a power grid that doesn't function. There's also electromagnetic radiation. This is a little different from what they're talking about in the first part about radiation, but this is the EMF spectrum. And they're talking about it radiating out, causing cancer. We've heard this in the past when they talk about people living under power lines. And then last, there's always the political guys out there doing team rolling coal. I don't like it because I don't get to burn it. Now, and those, you know, I get you're supposed to address, but let's face it. These are people who are going to agree with their team no matter what their team says. And it doesn't matter if you sit down and go through it piece by piece. If their team says no, their answer is no. And if you try to take it too far, it almost always turns into arguments and violence. So really, there's no reason to discuss it. They can't be changed. You nod, you smile, you understand that they're not thinking for themselves, and you move on. All right, first things first, ugly. Again, preference, don't care. That doesn't seem to matter. Now, it does matter if it lowers your property value. That would be important. But as of right now, it doesn't. There's no data showing that. People are not having a hard time selling their homes if they're near solar farms. And it could be that right now, houses are expensive. Their houses are going up no matter where they are. It could be that where we live, the demand is far higher than the supply. So right now, we don't have a huge amount of data. But as we look at it, you could say you would be wrong. But you could say solar panels are making the house value go up or these solar farms are. It's not true. It's just housing prices are going up. It's not like those ones are going up less, and it's not like those ones are depressed. So there's really no evidence to that. It's a scare tactic telling you you're going to lose money if they're near you. So make sure you don't allow them to be near you. And we're going to hear a lot of spooky scaries. It seems to be a common thread through here. These things are, I don't know why they don't just use legitimate conversation, but They tend to go with half-truths, manipulating the public by using very specific words. For example, when they talk about cancer-causing radiation, I'm not really sure where they're getting that. I understand that the three easiest things to manipulate are ignorance, anger, and fear. So they're constantly trying to manipulate people into one of those three categories. But I think they're just using the concept of radiation as something scary. Or the fact that you don't always know what causes cancer. Remember, sunlight passes into a solar panel. As it passes through its layers, an electron gets stripped off of the photon. That is where the electricity comes from. Now, there is a byproduct. That byproduct is called heat. Solar panels do get warmer. And the only radiation that I really know of that radiates from a solar panel is heat. But no one looks at other heat sources and says, hey, it's going to cause cancer. If you're standing in the middle of a blacktop parking lot, no one says, hey, don't stand there. 
the radiation will give you cancer. They're saying this because the word radiation can be scary. And if you don't know how a panel works, it's easy to manipulate the thought thinking that it creates electricity. Because in our past, it's transformers and things like that that we're used to seeing. That's not, not what a solar panel is. The other one is this EMF radiation. Now, you, you actually see that more from ghost hunters than anything else. It's basically like an MRI machine. EMF radiation is the, the electromagnetic frequency that radiates off a power source. You can get one of these readers on eBay for $10. I used to have one. And you can walk around and you can find wires in your walls if they're not shielded well and see how far that radiation comes out. Now, at low levels, it's completely safe for people. At really high levels, it can cause some grief. It can interrupt brain waves and cause hallucinations. And there's even people who's talked about it causing physical damage. But honestly, I don't think there's enough information to say that even happens. And we've had electricity for a long time. And it's becoming safer and safer as time goes on. More and more shielded. Because remember, EMF is loss. When electricity leaves that wire, it's electricity that can't be used. So the same tool ghost hunters use in their TV shows is the same thing we could literally walk over to a solar panel and see how far it radiates. Most services, six inches, eight inches, maybe a foot. I've seen an old 50s refrigerator radiate through a wall, but unless it's high voltage and unshielded, it really isn't going to radiate far. And if you're worried about it, buy one of those $10 readers and wander around. It's kind of fun to do, and you'll get to sit and figure out where the sources are. But I don't think we're going to find a whole ton of them around solar panels. They're collecting individual electrons, moving it through. It's not a transformer. I honestly just don't want to give credence to the political ones. They're not thinking it through. They're playing a team game. And I'm just going to ignore it because that's what we all should be doing. But there are good and legitimate things to discuss. Honestly, those electromagnetic conversations and the radiation conversations are good ones to have because not everybody understands it. And having those conversations in public helps people not have fear. Because what's happening is farmers are leasing their land to these companies for an income. We can't let scare tactics really dictate what these farmers can do on their land. So let's take a look. We did talk about the, the magnetic radiation. We talked about the ghost hunting equipment that would easily help you see it. We talked about what radiation is and that heat coming off it. I don't believe that's going to be cancer causing. And I think these are things that people need to know, just like the chemical leakage. That's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how solar panel works. Unless they're talking about production, which is not always the cleanest, or recycling, which is nearly impossible, then chemical leakage into the ground or con contaminating the ground is null and void. Once those panels are there, it's a non-issue. They don't have problems like that. There isn't something to leak, and those panels are going to be there for 20 plus years. Some of these contracts are from 20 to 40 years. So it's not going to contaminate the ground in any way. It is simply just there. As for the property values, we've discussed it. They simply have no data that shows it. Does it mean that it's a solved problem? No, no. I think once the market normalizes and we see how over long periods of time those houses that get uh, put up for sale perform, we will get a better idea. But right now it's a scare tactic because there's no information that tells you that's true. And then there's a real actual discussion to have. The fact that this is farmland. And that farmland will not be farmed. Now, that's a real conversation. And again, I'm not a huge fan of solar farms. And these farmers, they get paid about one to $2,000 per year per acre. 
to have these solar panels on there. So let's just say, you know, around a hundred bucks a month. So they are getting some income, which is helping them maintain their business even during drought seasons or poor yield. The reason why I think that's important is because of soil erosion. It has been said over and over again, and even the UN has released information showing that we only have 60 harvests left because of soil depletion. A lot of people agree, a lot disagree, and that is still in debate. But it's not something we want to play with. The ability to grow food is important. But remember a couple of things. We're wasting 40% of all produced food. Either it's not pretty or it's making it through the sales system and we're just not eating it. It's rotting in our fridge, which means we're producing 40% more than what we actually need. In the meantime, farmers are using more chemical nutrients, pesticides, herbicides, to be able to grow the food. And they're getting less yields year over year. Now you may run into a farmer somewhere near yourself that says, nope, 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 I'm getting the best ever. Well, that's a one-off. Overall, in the United States and even in the world, our soil is holding less and less nutrient. We are having to pour in more and more synthetic, which means much like the middle of the United States during the Dust Bowl, we're getting a lot of erosion. That is a problem. And it does kind of lend to the concept of only having 60 more harvests left or healthy harvests left. So now you're paying more, putting on more nutrient to get less and less yield year over year. That is a problem. So what this is, what this is doing by allowing farmers to lease half of their land to solar farms is it allows that ground to regenerate. Remember, you're not leaking anything onto that land to contaminate it. It's not doing anything negative. Matter of fact, my recommendation is you plant clover. You put as much clover on the ground as you can and then lease it out for 20 years. That's 20 years of regeneration into that soil. You can continue to fight the other half of your farm, constantly buying more and getting less, but you only have to do it for 20 years. When that 20 years ends, you end the lease on that land and you open new lease to the land that you have depleted. They move the equipment or decommission and add new, on the depleted land, you plant clover, and for the next 20 years, that soil goes from dead or nearly dead to a rich living soil that you can grow in for the next 20. Meanwhile, you've moved over to the land in which that clover has been regenerating that land year over year for the last 20 years. You can till it and farm it using less herbicide, less topical nutrient and fertilizer because you actually have a live ground to work with. That is the important part of what we're talking about here. From a guy who's not a huge fan of solar farms, I see it as farmers actually saving their farms against their will or against at least many others will. I assume there's some farmers who figured this out. They're going to regenerate half their property, swap and keep doing that because in states where they're not, they're going to continue to deplete the nutrients out of that soil. And at some point, it becomes dead land. This land, as they rotate back and forth, no different than they did with crops every year to make sure the right nutrients were in the dirt for the following year, they're going to have live soil. They're going to have nutrients left. They're going to be able to grow food. So we may get mad because we say, hey, those solar panels are on farmland. Well, that's going to be really good farmland when they move those panels. And they're going to move it over to the barren side afterwards, the side that we have farmed over a hundred years. And no matter how much synthetic chemical nutrient we throw on there, we get smaller and smaller yields. This 
actually helps fix that. So even though I'm not a huge fan of the concept of large-scale solar farms, I do see the advantage. I do see how it's going to help us. And if we think about it objectively, it's kind of important that we allow some of it. Then we don't overfarm that land. First of all, Amanda, thank you so much for messaging me so we could have that conversation. I don't think that's said enough in those kinds of forums. I don't think people know that that is an important issue. And it's great that you were able to ask it. We could have that conversation and you could take it back to your community. Thank you so very much. And for the rest of you, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. You know someone that argues about solar panels being in yard and farms and different aspects of energy, send them this episode. It'll at least give them some idea of the decisions that are happening behind the scenes to help us all. I think sometimes, sometimes we don't know the whole problem, but we always argue about the answer. This is one of those times. This actually helps us in some way. Also, thank you again for posting these on social media and sharing them with your friends or noticing a, a nice little pop. And with that pop, we got a new review. So whoever you are, thank you so very much. You know how that gives me the warm and fuzzies. And if you want to make me smile and happy, give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Click a like, click a follow. These are the things that help us. And if you really feel that there's a lot of value in this show in your life, well, you can always donate that buck. That $1 per month, $12 a year, it's actually slightly less because it's 99 cents, at greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast, or simply searching realistic sustainability at anchor.fm. Those help us out quite a bit too. We tend to put a lot of work into this. And like this week, we've recorded show after show that we can't even use. So we, it's nice when we get a little extra for it. So thank you for all of you who already do that. We greatly appreciate your support. And remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thanks for hanging in there with us when we didn't get shows out to you. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.